back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. This is Teaching to the Creed Module 6.0, Motivation and Engagement. Uh, I'm doing this one with Chief Bob. Uh, if you're not familiar with Chief Bob somehow, uh, <laughs> unless you're new to the, the platform, you, sh- you should be. He has been on episode 36, 40, 49, 57, 58. I probably missed some other ones. Um, if you want to go back and get some more detailed bio information and just uh, get to know him a little better, go check those episodes out. For this topic, we are talking about motivation and engagement, as mentioned previously. I'm going to go through the front matter from the uh, instructor guide. So upon completion of this block of instruction, the student will be familiar with effective motivation and engagement skills with the ability to apply the appropriate techniques to given situations on or off the job when dealing with juniors, peers, or senior personnel and how it relates to the chief petty officer's creed. The objectives analyze and discuss the importance of team and individual motivation and engagement as it relates to the CPO creed, analyze and discuss the definition of motivation and engagement and how it relates to the chief petty officers in leading up, down and laterally across the organization, analyze and discuss roles, goals, purpose and recognition as they relate to motivation and engagement with juniors, peers and seniors. Uh, the curriculum development references are laying the keel May 2019, the Navy Leader Development Framework, version 3.0, May 2019. So for motivation and engagement, oh, it, it was an interesting one because uh, when I approached Chief Bob about this topic in particular, it was something that he had been struggling with recently as far as mo- more motivation than anything. But uh, I think it's something that we're all kind of struggling with a bit in the midst of this pandemic scenario that we've all been dealing with for, I mean, since March. So we're going on April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Like it's been half a year already or more. So it's something that I think we're all kind of finding ourselves in a position where we're lacking motivation. In, in lacking that, uh, we can find ourselves not engaging on the level that we need to. So it's a very important topic to approach and analyze and really kind of figure out. And, and we talked about a lot of stuff that I think will be helpful. It will be a supplement to the facilitation of. And I hope you have these types of conversations during your facilitation of, of the curriculum. Uh, it's very important that you take the time to interact with your chief's mess during this training to ask the questions and and challenge assumed positions on things uh, challenge people's perspectives ask ask thought-provoking questions and have those types of conversations so that that experience can get shared and so that that collective group can work through those things i hope that you enjoy this i hope you get something out of it and uh here we go all right you see it recording on your own i do awesome All right, so I'll quickly recap the objectives, which are we're going to analyze and discuss the importance of team and individual motivation and engagement uh, as it relates to the creed, define those things, uh, and then how it relates to us leading up, down, laterally, and then discuss roles, goals, purpose, and recognition as they relate to motivation and engagement. And with that, uh, the excerpt from the creed we're examining is, it was our intention that you never forget this day. It was our intention to test you, to try you, and to accept you. Your performance has assured us that you will wear the hat with the same pride as your comrades in arms before you. We take a deep and sincere pleasure in clasping your hand and accepting you as a chief petty officer in the United States Navy. So uh, (laughs) as they like to do, um, the 
question. It's kind of a what does it mean to you, but it, it's a little more dynamic than that. So it's how important is your motivation and engagement when it states to test you, to try you, and to accept you as a team and as an individual? It's not at all. Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, it's super important, obviously. Like uh, We always talk about how this is your season, right? And right. so your motivation makes or breaks your season. Like it can be super lame and painful and you're just checking boxes. It can be, uh, super fun. It can be funny. It can be whatever, right? There's, there's all kinds of different ways based on how motivated you are and how you get through it all. But I mean, obviously the whole point is more than just the season. Um, I mean, this, this is all specific to the season with the way that it talks about it, but like, going or this topic in particular at least but going forward like your motivation for everything is like it's it's a i don't know it's the same principle it it makes or breaks your day at work or your week or whatever whatever task at hand you have like if you have no motivation to get it done it's going to be slower more painful you're just going to be more miserable but yeah i would think that like if you can find it yeah the way that you like choose to approach the season is like not just going to affect your experience, like how fun it is or, or how painful it is, but also like what you get out of it, obviously. Right. We're supposed to be spending a bunch of time pulling the leadership lessons out of all these events and trainings and and team building activities. And if you're not engaged and and motivation is going to affect that engagement level, it's then you're not going to get out of it what you're supposed to. And that, I mean, it's going to hurt you as an individual, but I think a lot of people selfishly think it's only going to hurt them as an individual and it's going to help. It's going to hurt the team as well, which is part of the question. It's like you're going to drag your team down. You're going to drag the motivation level and engagement level of your team down if you're you know, in the corner being difficult. And that's like the literal team of what you're doing through the season. Right. But then that also carries forward into once you're a chief, like for sure, you have your own division all of that will carry on and affect them a lot. Um, that's like the, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's super diggity sounding, but like <laughs> one of the biggest things that's like the coolest thing is when you're working with somebody who's like super gung ho is like, I mean, it can be kind of annoying too. It gets, it gets a little old <laughs> sometimes, you know what I mean? Sometimes, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's definitely times where you're like, oh, I do not want to go do this. So dumb. And somebody's like, yeah, man, no, this will be awesome. Let's go get, you know, let's go knock this out. Yeah. We'll go. And you're like, oh, all right. Like you're yeah, all, you get the and, rub from them to, yeah. yeah, to get, get excited about it. Yeah. But if you're that, like in a group of people that are very much like, uh, like I was the Debbie downer for a lot of the season for, what? for my group. I know. Right. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, there was a lot of times where it's like, this is, oh, I'm so, like, I have no desire. I'm right. super tired. We were uh, in and out of being underway uh, doing workups. So like, you know, there's just no sleep to begin with. Yeah. And, and so that didn't help anything. And it was just one of those, like, I got better stuff. I got like real world to care about right now. I don't, <laughs> but then somebody else there, like, it wasn't always me that was like that. There's, there was time yeah. for, there was other people. Um, but having somebody in our group always like, no, come on, man, we got this. Like, let's go knock this out. Let's go do this. You go do this. I'll go do that. And it's like, okay, all right. And then they're all, once you start seeing like progress, you get more motivated, you know? Yeah. It's like when I go to clean my garage, you go out there and you're like, uh, 
like I walked out there, I'm like, this is overwhelming. There's yeah. an absurd amount of stuff everywhere. <laughs> and then I just don't want to do any of it. And then you're just kind of like, well, all I'll right, let me this put this little, over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. And then once you start doing it, like towards the end, you're like, hell yeah. You know, like I'm going to build this thing and reorganize yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I'm all about it, you know? So it's sometimes that, that extra motivation, like you just need to get the ball rolling and it's, it's like, uh, that, uh, you know, an object in motion stays in motion and, and you right. can kind of keep it going, but it's, it, it, it's rough sometimes trying to like do that self-motivation piece. It's really easy. If you're the only one, or you think you're the only one that's affected by something, it's yeah. really easy to just be like, eh, I can deal with my own laziness. Like, yep. It's almost yeah, better then, if you know it affects somebody else because I'm less likely <laughs> yeah, to be lazy. Yeah, and it like holds it's a is a like a mode of accountability almost. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah. So the next question I'm basically going to skip because it's so obvious. It just says, "Can a command be successful without good motivation and engagement?" No. I mean, like it, <laughs> you could force people coercively through the eye of a needle for a very short period of time, and then it's all going to fall apart. So yeah, just, exactly. Next. No, question. it's um, yeah. <laughs> The next one, what does this mean? It says your motivation and engagement will determine your success. Does it apply only to the chief season um, or to also being a CPO? Uh, I think I kind of already answered that one on yeah, accident. Yeah, you kind of did. Uh, the only thing I was going to uh, mention in relation to this was the determining your success as a chief, I think is like you mentioned it a little bit, but it's like this stuff, like it all carries over. So it's something that it's not just a season thing. You know what I mean? And I think you, you've mentioned that before. Is I like, mean, nothing should be just we're a season not, thing. <laughs> the season isn't to prepare you to be the best possible select, right? It's like right, it's right, to right. prepare you to be a chief. So, so the definitions of motivation, uh, Cambridge, enthusiasm for doing something, uh, Oxford, a reason or reasons for acting or behaving a particular way. Not even going to read the Merriam-Webster one because it's useless. <laughs> Engagement defined uh, Cambridge is the process of encouraging people to be interested in the work of an organization, etc. And then Merriam-Webster emotional involvement or commitment. Um, the it, what does the definition mean to you as a chief within the mess as far as motivation and engagement go? Um, like, I think we already kind of knew what they meant, <laughs> but those are the literal definitions. Right. Like when you're functioning within a mess and use examples if you need to, because I think that would add more value. But uh, like, how do that? How do they how do you use them within? Because I like what do they mean to you? Like, I, I don't really care how you feel about them. Like, I want to know functionally within a mess. How do you use these things? Um, The like motivation. Yeah. Like, how do you functionally use your enthusiasm for doing something, a reason or reasons for acting or behaving in a particular way. And this could apply to your division probably more commonly than it does when we're like, I feel like a lot of the questions are phrased like, how do you use this as a chief? Well, as a chief, you're using it to motivate your division and keep right. your division engaged in the things that you're doing. So like, how do you use it as a leadership tool? Uh, so I think a good, so like one example that we're dealing with right now with um, my LPO is he's, um, the students right now where we're at are all four section duty days. Right. And then mm -hmm. we kind of talked about this a little bit, but yeah, he was like, basically we've got tons of students. Why aren't we six section instead? Cause we used to be like, why can't we just make it a little bit better for them? Cause you know, Rona times, all that stuff, right. Yeah. That life is hard enough as it is. Why did they need to stand duty ex like more than necessary, I guess yeah. also. Um, 
there's, you know, part of the reasons for that were to like prepare them for life on the boat and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And, and that's whatever, that's neither here nor there. But his point was like, if we can make it better then why don't we? And so when he first brought it up, uh, he asked me what my thoughts on it were. And I said, you know, sounds awesome, but go do some homework on it before you just start telling everybody it should be better. Right. Right. Like whenever some like that standard annoying chief thing, when people come up to you and tell you something doesn't work and we always say like, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I, I totally get it. It's super annoying. And I didn't, uh, yeah. I didn't phrase it the same way to him, but I basically said like, Hey, right. I agree. It could be awesome, but you're not going to get anywhere just telling people. Right. That like how, this how could it be awesome? Like, how could it be better? Don't tell me it could be better. Like how I want right. to know your plan so that and, we, cause yeah, evidence and fact-based things go hard like that, facilitate an argument. Yeah. Right. And not only that, but like, show me that like you say it's possible, but do you really know that, you know, or are yeah. you just theorizing off the top of your head, you know? Right. So I just told him like, Hey, call a couple of guys, make, do some back of the napkin math on it real quick and just see if it's like at a cursory check. Is this possible? Does it make sense? And the guy was kind of him hawing around about it. And, um, he wasn't like the, the actual guy who was in charge of it. Wasn't necessarily opposed to it, but was kind of felt like he was getting tasked with the rather large task right off the bat (laughs) and, uh, or out of the blue. And so he's like, well, you know, I'm, I don't know. Like, it seems fine the way it's working. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's not broken, but it could be better. Right. Um, was more of his point. And he was just kind of looking at it like, you know, I'm not trying to do a whole bunch of extra work that I don't need to do. I, hey, this is what happens when you have good idea fairy moments. You have right. to <laughs> well, no, manifest them into reality. Well, so, so my LPO was the one who was pushing all that. And so oh, he was okay. all about it. Different he guy was, got tasked. Yeah, exactly. Got he was asking a different guy what the, the actual watch bill coordinator, what, you know, the, okay. the feasibility. And that yeah. was the guy who was kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Um which I can understand, you know, if you were doing something that worked fine, having some random un- <laughs> person that's uninvolved just come up and tell you you're doing it wrong and it, it should be better. I'd, I'd yeah. kind of push back initially too, but, um, but anyway, so he did a whole bunch of, like him and another guy spent way too much time, not way too much, but a ton of extra time, like trying to find a way to like make sub school staff or sub school students better again. Right. And so he started going through finding, uh, he like mapped out the lounges at each of the barracks and paint and like said, Hey, this is what they are now. This is where we could put a pool table here. We could put mm-hmm. a ping pong table. I want to add a TV to this wall with a PlayStation and a yeah. whatever. Right. And he's, and he did all of this extra stuff and went back and was trying to pitch it. And people were still kind of him hawing <laughs> around like, ah, that sounds like a lot of work that you want me to do. Yeah. And um, so eventually I, I was like, hey, it's hard with a bunch of these people that you're trying to convince. Like you're trying to talk to all these other chiefs, senior chiefs, master chiefs. And he's a first class and it's easy yeah. for them to be like, nah, I just don't want to do that. So I said, go talk to the CMC and <sighs> see what his thoughts are. Because like yeah. maybe he doesn't want six section. Maybe he doesn't want that stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I said, go get his take on it. And so we talked to him and he basically said like, yes, do it now. Yeah. I want six section. So. Yeah. He's like, I want it by Christmas. I want this. I, all that stuff is awesome. This is what we're going to do. Updated a memo. He had like three memos out by the end of the week that changed a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. He 
rewrote watch uh, or qual cards to make to like reduce the amount of stuff by 30%. He got rid of a bunch of watches like he made some like huge changes really quick. Awesome. And then uh, CMC was like, yep, we're going six section by Christmas. And this happened like a week ago or two, maybe a week and (laughs) a half ago. Are the students throwing rose petals at his feet everywhere he goes? Not yet. I don't I don't know how much they've noticed or seen. But yeah. so he pushed through and then they were like, okay, well, we're going to add two more watches. We need two more watch bill or two more head section leaders for those two sections. And so him and the guy that were work that was working with them said, that's us. We'll do it. Yeah. So they're taking over as those head section leaders now. And they've done like, they basically handed a binder to everybody with questions and said, just do what this sheet says. Yeah. Like we did all this awesome. work already. And so then everybody started seeing it and then heard the CMC was all about it. And everybody's kind of like, yeah, okay. And so now everybody's looking around like, Hey, when can we get like a paint team set up and when can we do yeah. this? And, and all it took is like a couple of guys, it, it was a slow start, right? It was right. that like rough starting motor, but once they got it going now, everybody, yeah, everybody around them is board. like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's it, this, I don't know, maybe it sounds bad. Maybe it doesn't, but it's reality. The, when you have a couple of first classes pushing to make a bunch of these big changes, it makes all of their all of the chiefs that are around that are uninvolved are kind of like, man, I can't have this first class looking better than me. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, that's what they're supposed to be doing, though. So right. and it's not like there wasn't chief involvement because you're kind of the one that like inceptioned that idea into his mind where like, hey, you got clearly you're you're passionate about this, but there's, he could have very easily gotten stopped by all that discouragement of all the people he was talking to right. saying, yeah, it's not broke. Don't fix it. So we I feel just, like I just that, kept telling him yeah. to like, go a different path, go talk to yeah. this guy then. Okay. Yeah. That guy said, no, or you're not getting what you want. Go talk to this person. But it's, it was definitely all them. I didn't, I didn't right. push for, any of Oh yeah, stuff. for sure. As far as like how it got, how it, everything got put together and yeah, they definitely did all the heavy lifting. But I think in his mind, it was very much of like, how does this even happen? Like, is this too yeah. big of an idea? And it was like, yeah, no, man, these are all our command made these instructions and made these rules. So our command can change them just as easily. Every instruction is a word file somewhere. Yeah. Just go update yeah. that yeah. word file and get somebody to bottom line. <laughs> well, it. But it's like, you also have to get somebody like the CMC on board with it at some point. Right, because right. like you said, their command instructions. So somebody at the command triad level has to be, all in on making those changes. Otherwise you're going to meet a lot of the same resistance that he was meeting when he was talking to like the watch bill coordinator and all that other stuff. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's yeah, really but that cool. Was, but it was like, it was nice to see somebody uh chief or not, whatever, but like to see somebody at the command, like pushing to do a whole bunch of this big picture stuff because it, like I said, it forced everybody else to be like, man, all right, well, what else can I do then? Like, not, <laughs> not because like they need to look better than him or anything, but it's yeah. like, if this guy can do it, then why can't I type thing? Like right. if there's something big that seems, it's not like this was a loose tasking that somebody gave. It had nothing to do with anything. It was just a, like a pet project this guy had and he's the one that pushed it. And so now everybody else is kind of like, oh, well, what pet projects do I have that I want to try to push? Because apparently yeah. like the command is more receptive <laughs> than they thought, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with like getting on board with it either. Like where I, I don't need to be the source of the good idea, but I can do a lot of the hard work that is yeah. necessary to make it a reality. And it's it's OK if it was somebody else's good idea and they get the lion's share of the credit. Like who cares if you were 
a big part of making positive change, even if you were just doing the grunt work. It's like, who cares? That's fine. Like you're yeah. still affecting positive change and that's a good thing. And you should be doing that even if you're just jumping on somebody else's bandwagon. That's fine. Yeah, no, that's um, that's a big thing. There's a, a lot of people that were like, hey, all right, well, I've got like some drywall tools at home and I've got this or yeah, I can help yep. super like there's a lot of people that have jumped in to volunteer their efforts. They just didn't yeah. want to plan it, you know? Right. Right. They just didn't want to be the one that was like in charge, which is completely fine. Right. Um, yeah. So the moving on, there's a quote at the bottom of this definition slide uh, from General George S. Patton says no good decision was ever made in a swivel chair, which <laughs> we talked about before because we're actually re-recording this right now because right. we had an audio snafu. But like, A, I disagree because I've had some very comfortable swivel chairs in my life, but uh, I get where he's going with it. But what does the quote mean to you uh, as far as just the no good decision was ever made from a swivel chair conceptually? Like, what, do, what did he mean by that and what does it mean to you? Uh, I mean, I would take it. I take it differently. I know it's not what he said, but yeah. the way I, the way I hear it is kind of that same using that same story as an example. It wasn't just that he thought of this and, and that was the end of it. Cause right. like, sure. That could have been a good idea while he was just sitting yeah. there. Right. But to materialize it, like a good idea <laughs> right. is useless if it doesn't get acted upon. And so yeah. it takes you getting out of your chair and doing something to act upon that. And that's what uh, yeah. I would take out of that. Not so much. I like, agree. You could have yeah. a great idea, right? Like I, you know, oh, I'm yeah. sure plenty of Pulitzer Prize winning ideas have been from <laughs> yeah. thought of so while a whole sitting. bunch of whole bunch of good idea fairies sit in swivel chairs and pontificate about how they could fix all the problems of the world, and then when it comes time to actually affect any real change, they're just still sitting in their chair, not doing anything. So. Right. It's that. It's yeah. the uh, the action <laughs> piece is yeah. kind of what that hints towards, and that's. That I do agree with, though, like you do need to get up and make something happen or like figuratively, maybe, I don't know, whatever you're trying to change doesn't literally need you to get up and do something physical, but the it, it requires action. Yeah, um, the it's asking for the next question is asking for examples of uh, kind of an experience where somebody was not engaged or uh, motivated and just like how it was negative. Uh, I think the biggest that I, I can see is I'm sure you've seen it too. Like any of the CPOA meetings when somebody's like, Hey, I want to, uh, like a big one is fundraising, right? This year has been terrible for fundraising cause you can't do anything in a group because everything gives everybody the Rona. Right. Um, so it's easy to just be like, well, just can't do fundraising. Just got to get over it. Yeah. Not trying to figure out a way around it. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's in, in initiation planning was like that too. Everybody's oh, like yeah. Microsoft teams, zoom, <laughs> like every, every, with everything. I'm like, no, like get creative, figure out a way around. Yeah. Like, yes, somebody's eventually going to tell us no, but I'm going to push until someone tells me no, or until it's clearly a bad idea that I could get away with, but it's not, you know, something I should be doing. Okay. Got it. Cause if I, if I push hard enough, I'm probably going to get into that territory where, like somebody's going to say yes, but it's probably not a great idea, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. just finding creative solutions to the problem instead of allowing things to happen and getting comfortable. Yeah, that's that's I mean, it's easy to sit there and just to be the no guy and yeah. just say no to everything. Yeah, uh, because it doesn't require you to do anything. Right. You know, but um, it takes it takes some effort to to get that to get any ball rolling. But um, 
Yeah, that that's like the most common one that I've seen this year. And it's not like yeah. it's never been a major. It's like somebody will say, hey, how about we do a burger burn? And it's like, nah, that requires a bunch of paperwork and all this. And it's like, <laughs> OK, well, then usually, you know, a mess large enough like ours is pretty big. So um, eventually somebody's going to be like, well, like what? It's paperwork. How hard can it be? Like, let right. me see what I need to do. I'll look into it. And once it's been approved, then you're like, OK, well, I guess there's. You know, the no only carries so much weight when you're like, hey, I've broken all barriers. We just need to physically show up and do yeah, it. And it's show like, show up and help. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've seen the one that frustrates me the most. Um, I don't know if it frustrates me the most, but like I, I feel like it doesn't get talked about or acknowledged a lot because it would involve somebody admitting that they're failing mostly. But it's like, and, and I feel like I, I've been a victim of this myself a few times where it's like, I, I'm known as a guy that gets after it, right? I'm passionate about a lot of things and mm-hmm. um, very motivated, high energy. I, I'll stay at work until someone tells me to leave kind of guy. But there's times where I'll kind of lean on that uh, idea people have and get comfortable. And it's like, I still think I'm operating at a 10 and I'm operating at like a six. Right. <laughs> it's like, but because I've always been that guy, it's like, I, I, get comfortable and I power down a little bit. And sometimes I need people to kind of kick me in the butt and be like, Hey, are you really, are you really doing everything you could be doing right now? Like you were like the example you gave where it's like, I might be sitting there letting a problem just exist and not questioning it or not asking why, or I get so like frustrated and sick of being the only one that's shouting at the wind, asking why that I it's like, you know what? Fine. Like we can just a lot, like you can just, live with that problem. And it's like, no, like I want to be the one that is forcing the positive change that needs to happen. And so it's like, and and a lot of times I'm that, I'm that guy, I'm the catalyst for the change that needs to happen because I'm pointing at it and saying, what's going on over there? Why is this like this or whatever? And it's, you got to be persistent a lot of times to the point that you're going to annoy some people. But I've also been the guy that just, I sit there and I see it. And I know it's wrong or it's it could be better, like you were saying. And a lot of it is stuff like that where it's like nothing's on fire. Like no one's getting hurt. Right. Necessarily. But like, man, life sure would be better if those students were six section, you know, and I know it could happen. But it's like, do I really like I got to be the guy that does this, too, you know, And and that's how you how you justify it and rationalize it in your mind is like. Like I've done all these other things. Can't somebody else pick up the heavy thing for once? Right. Like, and it's, and it's, you rationalize your way into sitting there and doing nothing. And it's, that's, what usually yeah. gets me in those is it's like the hard part is depending on what the problem is, right? Like yeah. everybody has a bunch of things on their daily to do yeah. list. And so it's depending on what the problem is, is it's like, does it crack my top five? Yeah. If not, it's going to go to the bottom and I'm just going to complain about it. <laughs> and which yeah. I know isn't right, you know, but like there's only right. 24 hours in a day and there's only so much like and, you can but, only tackle yeah. so much at a time. Right. And yeah. then so part of it like might be bringing up like with the student stuff. Right. I, I might be saying something like it. It's not at all how it happened, but say it was me that brought that up and said, like, why are they four section? They should be six. But it's like, I don't have time to go do all that. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's not the end of the world. It's not broken. It's there's, it could be better. Sure. But it's not the end of the world. And, uh, I've got other like more pressing deadlines that I have to worry about. So I'm working on other things, 
But if if me saying that out loud might trigger somebody else who's yeah. like, hey, I look, just, yeah. I might that might be something that I can tackle. And that's not yeah. always the right answer, but like, yeah, sometimes or even like actually purposefully delegating it, like you going to your uh, LPO, who's he's the one that had the good idea, right? Yeah, like, yeah. He's like, okay, yeah. So like going to your LPO and saying, hey, is this even possible? Can you guys look into this for me? Because I don't have time, but I really think this could be a good thing. And then just walking away and and it's like, oh, so you, it's almost like you're giving them permission to get after that problem. And, you know, you, it's like you already know just through conversations or just from listening to, to him talk to someone else about mm-hmm. it, that it's something that he wants fixed. It's and you recognize it, too. It's like you give them that permission slip to, hey, fix this. Like, <laughs> like I know you can do it. And or, or like I, I used to do that with my old LPO because he was very, very good at his job. And so it's like I knew he could get me an 85% product or a 90% product. And I would just have to sit down, go over it, QA some stuff, and then kind of add the finishing touches instead of me doing 100% of that work. And it's like I was stretched so thin that I could go to him and say, hey, you know, CS2, I need you to create something that does this. And and then I'll sit down and go over it with you. And then we'll start using that. And I'll have you train the guys on how to use it and what Mm -hmm. the point is and whatever. And so it's like, I feel like that's a, a, there's a force multiplier to be had there where if you were, if you were to do it the way that you described is like kind of go to almost like purposefully delegate that thing, knowing that like this sailor, this first class or this chief or whatever will get after that problem. And it's, it's like a, but maybe they don't directly recognize it or they do recognize it, but they need that permission slip from someone like you to go do it. Yeah, I... Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I don't know. I tend to feel, I'm like, I'm terrible at delegating things because I feel <laughs> <laughs> like if it's something that's like this person's job, yeah. they need to do it. That's fine. Right. But yeah, I, if it's like a pet project type deal, I feel terrible yeah. because I feel like my, my job isn't to just create work for other people to do. Right. I would disagree somewhat. I, I mean, not just create it. Well, but it's not you're not creating that problem. You're not creating the fact that these students lives are worse by being four section instead of six section. Like it, it's that's where we are, because maybe we have more students than we did before. Or like you said, maybe like before Corona was happening and their quality of life is now way, way lower because they can't go anywhere and there's nothing to do and they're all going stir crazy. There wasn't the demand signal to change it. And now there is. So like you didn't create that problem. Coronavirus did. And the just like the shift in the in the way the world is right now created this opportunity to make this change. And so you're you just recognize that it exists. So like you didn't do that, but you recognized as a chief that, hey, there's this problem that needs to get fixed, which you it, in this particular scenario, you didn't. Someone else did. But it happens all the time where you're looking at something and it's like, well, like, why is this like this? Like, we could do better. And it, you didn't necessarily create that problem. You're just recognizing that it exists and saying, Hey, we should, we should do better than this. And like, maybe you're not the person that can do it or you don't have the bandwidth to do it, but that doesn't mean like you should just let the problem con- continue to fester. You know, like I don't, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing if you're like, I understand like that you have that little bit of guilt about bringing it up and then, because I've done that in a well, it's not even meeting. the guilt of bringing up a problem. It's the guilt of saying like, hey, this is now your problem. Like, yeah. I know you already had your yeah. own things to worry about, but now right. you got to worry about this. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I've, I've, I've been in chiefs meetings where I've 
I've brought up that this problem exists and then some other chief walked out of that meeting with it as a tasker and they're just like grumbling about it and looking at me with like staring daggers and it's just like like okay but like and I'm a little more callous about it I guess where I'm just like hey this is what chiefs do like it's happened to me too where somebody good idea ferried me into more work but it's just like at the same time, it's like sometimes I'm going to be the one that gets tasked with that. And it's it's like it is what it is. And because my old Cobb, he used to call me his uh, publicist and his secretary because I'm very good at administration and evaluation and awards and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I should have been a yeoman or a legalman or something. But um, it, he would ha- task me with a lot of stuff that was in that realm because he wasn't good at it and he knew I was. So when st- like an instruction revision or some need for a Cobb memo or something like that came up. He would talk to me about what he wanted. He'd draw some lines in the sandbox for me to play in. And then he'd say, you know, go make this happen. And it was a lot of it was nowhere near being in the vicinity of my actual job description. But he knows that he has that tool at his disposal. And so, like, I would be the one that like I already knew, like, as soon as the meeting starts and we're talking about revising an instruction or creating a whatever or writing somebody this award for like the Navy League or something like that. It's like, OK, when like does somebody have the instruction so I can start working on this? Right. Because like I have duty tomorrow and it's Saturday because I knew I was going to get tasked with it because I knew, like everybody came to me with their eval and said, Hey, can you look this over? Like uh, the chiefs did it. It's so it's I, okay. Like, and that's the, one of the things that I get to contribute and I know it's coming. So it's the same thing happens to me. And I just think that's kind of, that's just how it works. So I don't feel, I don't necessarily feel that bad about it. Sometimes I do depends on the circumstance. But. Yeah. I usually, if it's something that's just a total like pet project that I don't have time for or whatever the case is, usually what I'll do is I'll stand there. Like when I go do our, like our weekly quarters or something, um, it's usually on a Friday. I talk to all the students on Friday. And then after that, I go in and talk to all the staff. Um, and I'll just kind of throw it out there, like to the division. It's like, there's 10 of you, somebody like, I don't know exactly what every person's daily workload looks like or what they're working on. Or if somebody's dying for like a project to help, you know, look better or whatever the case is. So, those that's usually when I'll throw something out there and I'll say like, if it's a total pet project and I'll just say, Hey, I want somebody take this and go with it type deal, which I know isn't the yeah. best. Cause that usually means nobody's going to do it, but <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been burned by that yet. Typically, uh, luckily my LPO is great. And so he'll take it down and he'll yeah. start if nothing else, yeah. or if I haven't heard anything for a few days, I'll ask my LPO about it. Yeah. And, Cause he's in the same office with them. He works with them daily. So he's like, Hey, this guy needs something or this guy doesn't have, he's doing nothing or whatever the case is. And so he's a lot better at picking that one person to task or at least making sure that somebody is working on it. Yeah. And that's usually, I would say the same thing differently where I would be, I would basically tell my LPO, like I would direct them to, Hey, make sure somebody does this. So I'm not like, I'm not telling him who, or how he needs to make that happen. I was just like, Hey, this needs to get done. Oh, Hey, CS2, this needs to happen. And he'll, okay. And right. I just let him figure out how it's going to happen and who's going to do it. And he can manage his manpower however he wants, but it's like a, you're basically just throwing it out in, in the ether, but I, I point it in his direction. Cause I'm giving you the workload. So it's a lot of time. And a lot of times those were like the, we would do 
off-sale LPO call, it would end. And then I, I'm sitting down with CS2 going through what needs to get done that day and then the next day and then throughout the week. And hey, by Friday, make sure somebody does this and let me know when it's ready for me to come check it or whatever. And so, yeah, it's like kind of the same thing where you're you're basically doing that because you understand that your LPO is writing it down. Like if, you, if, nobody, if nobody was doing that, then you would be getting burned by it and then you would have to change mm-hmm. your approach but it's like you're basically doing the same thing without directly saying it to him because uh, you know he's writing it down and, and taking care of it but uh next question is how do your sailors view you and then are you sure um i hate how they phrase the question but i like the intent of the question if that makes sense so like do you it's just like it is an examination of your self-awareness yeah and then how do you validate it no that is i mean I have no idea. Um, <laughs> that's like the biggest cop out. Um, Cause I have like what I like to think people think of me, but yeah. I don't know that like, I know what my superiors think of me. Right. Cause I see that on right. an eval or a midterm. So twice yeah. a year I get told what they think of me, Yeah, but I don't know that my division thinks the same as you know what I mean? Cause like, yeah, I, know, I wouldn't expect like uh, a second class. Like when I was a second class, I didn't look at him and be like, ah, oh, my chief's doing this because he really needs to like help out more in the right. chief's mess or whatever. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? That's not like a thing that I cared about. I went, well, chief's a jerk making me stay here longer, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. a different perspective depending on how you look at it. But right. there's a, uh, I, I can never remember the name of the book and it's one that I've been meaning to, find uh for a while and read because i don't think it's english as the it wasn't originally written in english which i think is probably why i have trouble finding it but it's called like one one thousand and ten thousand or something to that effect okay um i need to find it but it has to do with the fact that there are like ten thousand different versions of you right there's Mm -hmm. you as what you see yourself as to yeah. your wife, you're a different person. Right, to right. your nephew, you're a different person, right? Like, yeah. you have all these different yous that exist, but really it's just you and it's how you present to each person. And yeah, I've examined that. Like, I started to examine that really closely when I was at the A school, where it was like, I, because I quickly realized as I was overcoming my fear of public speaking, because I had to do it all the time, right? And it, it started small with, standing in front of I think it was 36 students when you're just instructing. And then I'd get in front of, you know, probably with, with families and everything. It's probably like 60, 70 people, but it's in like an auditorium. I'm on a stage. There's lights and stuff. So it's like, that was nerve wracking. And then when I'm SEL, I'm standing in front of 150 students, 25 staff members. There were times where I would, I'd go to an Air Force graduation as a guest speaker. Or I'd stand in front of Air Force final form, um, 500 airmen and then the NCOs. So it's like mm-hmm. you're standing in front of this huge group of people talking. And it's like as I overcame that fear, like one of the mechanisms for it was I I just picked up on how the students viewed me like they thought I was a superhero. And it was just like it became very simple for me to stand in front of those groups because I know how they view me. Like these kids perceive me as superhuman. They think I'm a character in a comic book. So it's going up there. It's like, I'm, it's almost like I'm going up there with that um, idea in my head of like that armor on where I'm just like, they think I'm Superman. So like, I'm not nervous because I don't think they're judging me. They all think I'm a superhero. So 
then I went to the senior enlisted academy and had to stand in front of like you're standing on the stage in leadership hall in front right. of God, like 200 senior chiefs and master chiefs. And at the time I was still a chief. So I'm like one of the most junior people in this right. room, command master chiefs, the director of the senior enlisted academy, like all these people are there. And you're you do this thing called extemporaneous speaking, which is what I do on this podcast all the time. I just talk off the top of my head. Right. Mm hmm. So they'd give you like a topic and a, and like a time limit and you just had to talk. And it was like that. I was surprised at how nervous I was because I was so used to doing this. Like I didn't even think about it until I got on stage because I was just like, I do this all the time. I stand in front of 500 people and, and talk off the top of my head right. and I do great and I do great. So it's it, it the different audience, like these people are definitely judging me like and not oh, yeah. like not in a bad way necessarily, but like they're definitely not looking at me like I'm a superhero. They're looking at me like I'm junior to them and like that I got a lot right. to learn. And so that was a, a huge difference. And then I so then I started um, my then my now wife came and visited me at the A school. And so she contrasted how like how I am with her and then she came to the schoolhouse with me and she tells the story all the time where we were in the instructor we called the IOD office it was the instructor on duty mm -hmm. and we're in that office and so students come by there all the time because the instructor on duty is an NMTI usually or one of the A school instructors is just on duty know the belly button for everything like you got to go in and sign out in the liberty log and there's like right. liberty cards and the duty people are coming in and out like the duty section uh, students and all that stuff. So there's people constantly coming in and out of the office and they got to knock three times, request permission to enter all this stuff because it's initial assessment training. So right. that's kind of a lot of the stuff that they're doing. And so I'm in that office talking to my instructor on duty. We had just done a graduation. I wanted her to see it and see what I do and see where I work. And I introduced her to staff and stuff. So it's the end of the day. I had to go by the, the barracks where this instructor on duty office is for something. And I'm like grabbing my stuff, getting ready to leave. And she's standing there waiting for me. And uh, one of the students like just walked into the office without knocking or anything. And I immediately caught it and snapped into chief mode and was like, uh, you want to try that again and step back out and maybe follow the procedure that's posted on the door. Like, you know, you're supposed to. And it was like, I was barking at the student, like not, I wasn't yelling or anything. I was just like correcting them, but right. it was like, I went into that mode and she had never seen that before. And it freaked her out. And like there was some other instance where I did lay into a student. It was like a disciplinary thing where a student was doing something super inappropriate. And I snapped at him on the quarter deck. Like, well, it's like they we had our naval quarter deck. And then once you got past that, there was like a the Air Force had like a customer service desk. That's like right. their, their equivalent. And it was in that area. And I like lit a student up for doing something that was super inappropriate, like inappropriate language, treating a student the way they shouldn't, you know, like horseplay kind of right. just kids being kids. But um, and she saw that and she was like, we got in the car and like we're driving back to my house. And she was just like, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, I've never seen you like like I didn't even know that was like it was different. Like I and it's something she just didn't think about until she saw it. But of course, I'm different at work than I am at home. Right. So, yeah, like that, you you become very aware of it because she was like dumbfounded that I was a totally different person at work. And it's not not always like a, a lot of the chiefs see, saw me as this, like a, very similar to the way she sees me. Right. Um, probably not exactly the same, but but closer. Right. And, and so you get yeah, you start to see that like where kind of like where some of those lines are and how very different you are and 
Um, that's some of the stuff that I was going to say, like for you, especially like, I think that you, like you and I talk a lot about what happens to you at work and kind of some of those things that go on. And yeah. so that's probably one of the ways that you stand in front of the mirror and get some of that self-awareness as you talk to people like me, you talk to your CMC a ton. Right. Um, but yeah, for the junior perspective, like I got lucky and had an LPO that was 27 years old and had some life experience. So I would sit down with him and, and he, he looked at me like he looked up to me a lot and, um, he, uh, he definitely had a little bit of a, I don't hero complex is the wrong way to say it, but like a little bit of that, like mm-hmm. a really mild version of like, he looked up to me a lot, but he was also willing to tell me, like, if I would sit down and ask him, he'd give me a pretty, he was scared to like say the wrong thing a little bit, but he would, he would give me a more mature answer than a 21 year old probably would as right. far as like, if I asked him like, Hey, am I wrong about this? Or like, am I doing something stupid or, or whatever? He would usually let me know. Like if I was, he would tell me like, yeah, this is stupid. He's like, I don't think this is a good idea at all. And then he would explain why, but he also knew because I spent a lot of time building that relationship and making him understand that he wasn't going to get in trouble for telling me like something honest. Like if I, especially if I asked for it, like he'd be a little more apprehensive about volunteering that unless he was really passionate about it. But if I sat him down and asked him, which I think a lot more people should do and make it okay that they answer honestly, even if they don't do it with the tact that he did because he was more mature, it's like, cause you got to kind of wade through that a little bit. An 18 year old is going to tell you some crazy stuff sometimes and you just got to like decipher it, but, or ask following questions or whatever. But I think it's a really great way to get some of that feedback, especially if you know that there's always a, a sailor on board a submarine that, it, you know, if I give them the opportunity to take a shot at me, they're going to do it. Yeah. So, if I like, so if I go, hey, you know, FT2, am I good at this thing? Or what, like, what, what do you perceive negative about me? Or you, you open that door for them, they're going to, they're going to unload. And it's, you got to be ready for that. And you got to be willing to receive that in a positive way and like laugh at yourself and then maybe ask some follow on questions because a lot of times what you get is on top of being sarcastic and brash, they're also really intelligent. And when yeah. you start to have that conversation there, they start talking to you and they like, you get that interaction and get a lot of really, really, really good feedback. That's uh, um, yeah, that's, that's another thing that I like about the LPO that I have. It's because he's, um, we ask him that fair, not often, but every once in a while it'll be like, he'll come in constantly and just say like, Hey, what do you need from us? Are we doing this? Okay. Is this okay? Type thing. And it's just making sure he's on the right page. I think he's, we've given him enough trust and he's caught on that. Like, I don't need him to check with me on everything that he does. Right. Like I trust his judgment. I know he's on the right track. Every once in a while, he'll still poke his head in and be like, Hey, is this make sense to you? And so we'll say the same thing to him though, the guys in our office. And it's like, Hey, what can we do to improve? Like, what yeah. do you, what do you want us to do? How are we doing? And, um, he's one of the few that will, he'll actually tell us like, yeah. Hey, this is, this is what I think you should be doing or whatever the case is. There's another guy that we used to have that was interesting. He was, a uh, a bosun mate. I think he was a BM two mm-hmm. before he cross rated to become a radio man. Um, Maybe he was a first one. No, I think he was a first class when he cross-rated. Yeah. Um, but he went through a school with another one of the chiefs in my office. 
they like went to a school together except one was oh, like okay. an e2 and he was a bm1 <laughs> who'd already spent you gotcha. know however much time yeah, it takes yeah, yeah. to get to bm1 and in, in the navy and yeah. so he's always been very like he looks at things differently he gets it like uh so when you talk to him even though he's been in for a long time uh the hard part is like hey me and you went to a school together and you're a bm1 still and now i'm a chief and whatever but like um and then so you know like we were in a school together and you were already a bm1 so you've had lots of more experience in the navy right. than i have but um he's he's always been good with that but he was good about giving you kind of honest feedback because he didn't not that he didn't care but like he'd been around the block enough to know that you're not just gonna like yell at him because he yeah. says like hey i wish you would give me more heads up on something or yeah <laughs> you know like he he's well, better with but that it's, but my yeah, LPO is great with that too like one it's of the small- really important to like let them see that happen you know what oh, i mean yeah. like everyone else it's like the more you let them see that happen and they see you take that feedback well then it's going to encourage them to do the same thing when you when you keep asking you know what i mean like yeah, it gives well, them permission so our lpo used to come in and do that all the time and so i started doing that again with those friday talks and i'd say like hey what do yeah. you what do you guys need from me what you know what's going on what can i help with whatever right and of course like most of the guys in the office um Cause it's everybody's except for, well, all the staff, at least it's their first shore tour. They're, you know, fre- not fresh off a boat, but they haven't been in the Navy forever. And, uh, so they're very much like, Oh no, everything's, everything's good. And it's like, well, I don't believe you, but <laughs> yeah, you know, <Okay>. like <laughs> sure. Okay. And then yeah. every once in a while, if there is something like our LPO will right. usually wait till everybody else is done. And then he was like, uh, he said something um, we've talked about it before, but he was like, Hey, uh, he's like, I, is there, could I get like your schedule or something like that? He's like, because he's like, I don't know. There's a lot of times where we need you nothing yeah. like crazy important or I would call you, but like we come in here and you're gone. And he's like, I know you're off doing whatever chiefs do. And, and <laughs> he was just kind of giving me a hard time about that. But yeah. it's like, yeah, the hard part with us is we are the only division in our department that's in our building. The rest of our yeah. department is another building halfway down the hill. So we're back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. And he knows like, it's nothing crazy, but it's just one of those, like, could I, could I get like a schedule? Like if you're going to be gone or if you have meetings yeah. or whatever. And it was like, when he brought that up and you could kind of see everybody else was one of those, like, Oh, you're not supposed to say that. To, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> and the first thing I said was like, yeah, man, uh, like I write everything on my desk calendar. I'm bad with putting it into outlook. Yeah. Um, mainly because my desk calendar is in front of me and my yeah. handwriting stands out on a printed calendar. Whereas right. like in outlook, it's easy for me to not click on it and forget about something. Right. So I usually, right. honestly, now most everything is duplicate. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'll just share my calendar with you in outlook. And I shared it with a couple of the guys in there and said, you know, if you want to share it with somebody else or anybody else wants it, let me know. Um, I don't think the entire division, not that I care, but I don't think the entire right, division yeah. needs to see it. I don't think everybody's dying to know where I'm at, but right. <laughs> at least he knows. And so yeah. when I shared it with yeah. him, he's like, oh yeah. Okay. So like this, he's got this meeting, he's got this, he's doing wherever. And, but I, um, like, so he I at least has an idea, but when he brought that up, yeah. it was like, yeah, not a problem. Like that's a yeah. very simple request and a simple fix. And I did it and it wasn't like I told him like, well, you don't need to, you know, I don't report yeah, to I, you. That's what I was going to say. I think some some chiefs probably view it that way. Like, well, I don't need to check in and out with my LPO. It's like, yeah, you do. 
Yeah, you do. You should. Like, because that's exactly why. It's like every time I left the submarine, because it's almost never planned. Like, unless I know, ahead, like if I know way ahead of time, I'll tell them in the morning. But there's a lot of times where I had to go put a fire out somewhere or I got tasked with something by the cob last minute because something else was on fire or whatever. And it, it's like if I'm leaving the submarine or I'm not going to be in the immediate vicinity of the chief's quarters and the mess decks, my CS2 is going to know where I'm at. Like, I'm going to let him know, hey, I'm going here. Or maybe he's off doing something. I, like, I'm going to let everybody else know. Like, my my supply officer is going to know. My The chiefs are going to know. And the galley watch captain is going to know because he can't leave. So, hey, when CS2 gets back, let him know this is where I'm at and I'll be back as soon as I can or whatever. And call me if anything explodes. But it's like, yeah, I go way out of my way to make sure that that dude knows where I am all the time because he needs to know because it's really important and he's trying to juggle all the flaming chainsaws while I'm gone. And um, yeah, I think that some people probably view it that way. And I feel like it's really important to point out that like, no, yeah, they really should know where you are all the time. I just look at it as it's it's takes a burden off of him because like nothing is more awkward to me in my office when like mm-hmm. uh, the DMC or like my department head will call me. And he's trying to find another chief in our office. Right. And it's like, where is yeah. he? And I'm like, well, and I, uh, I don't know. we've all made, yeah, but yeah. we've all, we've all talked to each other in our office and basically said like, Hey man, if you don't tell me where you are and you're gone, I'm just going to straight tell, like, I'm not, not that I'm lying or covering for you or whatever, but I'm not going to make something up and be like, Oh, he's down in a meeting with something like, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to tell him like, Oh, I don't I'm just gonna know. Shrug. Yeah. yeah. And that's your problem to figure it out. And we're all, good with it nobody's upset when that happens yeah yeah. but i i know the awkwardness of when that happens yeah (laughs) and i don't want to put my lpo in that position because if right say like again like i'm not ever doing anything crazy or whatever like i'm not just playing hooky ever uh because that's not my style but like if my uh i don't know like i'm doing something that the dmc calls me because he needs for something and he calls my LPO's office because he really needs a radio man for something. And, and he says like, you know, Hey, where's your chief? If he doesn't know, I don't want him to like feel like this awkward, like, do I lie for him? Or do yeah. I, I don't want him to yeah. get in trouble if I say that I just right. haven't seen him yet. And like, no, like you don't, you don't ever have to lie for me. To, if you haven't yeah. seen me and I'm just showing up an hour late, then tell somebody like, <laughs> cause that's not right. But also I'm probably not just showing up an hour late for kicks. Like right. there's a, there's right. a reason and somebody probably already knows, but yeah, regardless, like those are the types of things. Like I want you to know that stuff so that you don't feel awkward. If you get asked that worst case, you're like, Oh, let me check his calendar. And you go, Oh, he's off at this meeting with so-and-so and they go, Okay. And you, it takes like the the stress off of his mind of do I need to cover for him or because that's not yeah. a thing he should never have yeah, to yeah, feel yeah. like he's covering for me, right? But and um, but just because I thought about it before you move on with it, the book that I was talking about earlier, uh, it's called One No One and a Hundred Thousand. Okay, and the description yeah, it mean, says it says I'm his, definitely interested. It's uh it was an Italian author. He wrote it. It was published in 1924. Um. But it said that it started because his wife brought up the the idea to him and said that everyone he knows, everyone he's ever met, has constructed a persona in their imagination of that of him, and that right. none of those personas corresponds to the image that he has of himself. Right. And so it's like it's just that interesting, like they're all you, but they're all different you. And yeah. I don't know. I I keep meaning to get back into read it, and it's because it's a translation and it's so old, there's like yeah, a version on 
Well, there's a few versions is the problem. Like okay. there's one version that's 10 bucks. There's one version that's 99 cents. There's <laughs> so like, I don't, I yeah. don't know which one is, I, I don't know. I'd have, I, I can't yeah. imagine. I don't know what's different about them. I, I'm not that well read, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll probably try the 99 cent version because <laughs> see what it's I'm like. Cheap, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I am definitely curious because the idea is an interesting just thought experiment for sure. If nothing else. Yeah. No, I'm definitely interested to, I, I hope there's an audiobook because I'm that kind of a guy, but there is um, <laughs> the next slide talks about uh, extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. I usually say external inter- internal. I don't know why they chose these words, but they did uh, extrinsic. Fancy. I guess. Yeah. Sounds smarter. I guess. <laughs> extrinsic is the desire to fulfill action based on external cues. So we said external there. I don't know why we didn't just say external motivation, but, and so it's talking about gaining rewards or avoiding consequences or some kind of negative repercussion. And then intrinsic being the desire to fulfill actions based on internal cues, uh, enjoyment or interest in the action. So just like self-motivation. Uh, so the first question is, uh, discuss the pros and cons of being externally motivated. Um, just like what, like what traps you could fall into or what are some of the positives of being motivated by like a carrot mentality? Uh, the, the hard part about the external is that you're always dependent on somebody else. There's always yeah. somebody else that, that has to be that motivator that has to be that, uh, come on guys, or let's go do this. Yeah, right. Like, or something. There's, yeah. There's gotta be something exterior motivating you or you're right. not going to be motivated. Yeah. Um, that's, so that's obvious. Like. That's an obvious downfall to it, but um, because then I feel like those are the types of people that are always on a hit list or always on a, uh, yeah. Hey, get this done by, you know, like your GMTs or whatever your NKOs <laughs> you have to get done. Right. Yeah. Like you're that name that's always on the list that the XO sends out and says, these people right. don't have it done yet. Um, that's the, the downside to it. Um, obviously it's, it could be a good thing though. Like if you're the person that at least completes it every time you're on that list, then all you at least I know like those people all I have to do is tell them like hey go do yeah. this and they will get it done and that's great but there's there definitely comes a time with certain tasks where you're like hey man you should know better than <laughs> you shouldn't have to wait for me to tell you you should know to get this done this is and what I think a lot of that stuff is that I've kind of started to catch on to is with my staff at least is they don't have the the navy picture that that I do. Right. Like it's my fourth duty station. So I've seen enough where this is their second. Um, they don't have that same big picture. Like, ah, every year these things are due at the same time yeah. frame. This yeah. is, you know, it's may, which means it's time to start doing whatever midterms or, you know, like mm-hmm. that happens every year, every command, every wherever. Yep. And that doesn't trigger in their head. So I have to remind them like, Hey, this is a thing but I usually try to remind them like, Hey, this is a thing that happens every year. Like always be yeah, on the lookout yeah, at this time frame ahead of it. Right. This thing happens monthly. They want to see it a week beforehand. So just know this is when this is due. And, yep. and usually once they get that, it's nice because then it becomes more intrinsic of like, Hey, I want to hurry up and get this done. So I'm not on that hit list or I'm not whatever. And that, yeah. Without like, waiting for your question because i'm sure the follow-on is <laughs> is yeah the same thing is but the next one internal right yeah uh, so skipping you reading that 
it, it, it's the same idea. Like those are usually the people that are going to be like, uh, my LPO who's very much like, Hey, I, I want to go get this done. Nobody tasked me to do it, but this is a thing that I want to do yeah. because either it'll make me feel better. Or even if he is just looking like he's not the guy, but let's just say that he's the type of yeah. person who just wants the award that's going to come with getting it done. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, well, that, and that's he's a weird one doing too, it. Is it external motivation? Cause he knows that this could get him an EP, even uh, though he was, wasn't told. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean? true. Like, so that, I feel like he's, he's being motivated by an external factor because it's like, it could get him, it could help him get an EP kind of thing. So if, if that's what's motivating him and it's not just, Hey, I want to help these people or I want to fix this problem or whatever. Um, and yeah. even that, like the reward of fixing the problem is that like, I feel like that's, you're in internal motivation at that point, but it could be, you could look at it like it's externally motivated. Like if I get the satisfaction out of fixing that thing, if the thing's not there for me to fix it, would I do it anyway? Like, no, because that's the thing motivating me to, you know what I mean? Right. Chicken yeah, for the egg or whatever. Yeah, exactly. There's, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be something external attached to. Right to it right there's nothing that's like purely internal or because yeah. i mean i guess you could argue like i don't know you want to work out because you want to look better but then like why do you want to look better or like yeah i, I, I get know. caught like, up in this stupid loop of like when people tell me like uh like thank you for doing the podcast or whatever it's like that's why i do it like because i i love helping people but it's like what how do i know that i'm helping people well because they tell me and I get validation from that and I get satisfaction out of that. So like, am I doing it just because I'm a saint? No, like I'm doing it because I love how it feels to know that right. somebody was, somebody was helped significantly by me spending all my time doing it. So it's, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, is it selfless? Mm, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm doing it. it like it's a selfish pursuit in a way. Um, it's, you know, I guess you could say it's a really noble selfish pursuit, but like, it's still, I still look at it like, like I'm, I'm doing it because I, I, there's nowhere else I get more satisfaction. So right. then you get caught in that stupid loop of like, is it me just doing it? Cause I'm a nice guy. Like, I don't know. Like it's, uh, yeah, there it's is, weird, that's, uh, uh, another book that I actually do have, uh, an audio book of it. I haven't read it yet but i've started mm -hmm. it and that was forever ago i'd have to restart it but yeah. it's called the price of altruism and it was actually it stemmed from a radio lab episode um they had a really good podcast probably the one that got me turned on to podcasts in general called the bad show mm -hmm. and uh it talked about like what what does it mean to be truly like bad and whatever right yeah and there's a, a really, really good story in there. And I did read another book for, based on that. But then they had the good show and it was talking about like, is it even possible to be truly altruistic? And yeah, is there because if there's any sort of external motivator, then you're not being altruistic. Yeah, right? you're doing and, it as a salt. Yeah, you're selfishly pursuing whatever gratifying right. thing happens. Yeah. And so this book, uh, it's called The Price of Altruism. And it's a guy who basically just tried to do everything he could to help other people forever without doing anything for himself basically. Yeah. And so as you're like listening to the story, like not to totally ruin it, whatever it's been out there for a while, but, um, and I don't remember all the details of it. Uh, but he, 
you're kind of hoping that like, oh, he's, it's going to show that like, that's a, a really good life. And he turns out to yeah, be happy yeah. and whatever. And it's like, no, like he dies he's miserable. <laughs> yeah. Like he dies homeless. <laughs> like he gave up his yeah. house to a bunch of squatters that were homeless. And then he like lost, he had like no money, no nothing, no clothing possessions. And he just like yeah. died basically homeless in his own home <laughs> that was taken over by squatters. And <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and that's like, uh, that's brutal. And I, like, I guess, I don't know. That's an extreme example, but I'm interested to read the, the book. There are like, but there, I do know people who basically try to be as altruistic as possible in the Navy. And, yeah. and that's one thing that the biggest thing that I've typically found is um, they are the ones who don't get the recognition. So you kind of have yep. to keep an eye out and, for them. Yeah. And they get frustrated and generally end up miserable and, are on their way out of the Navy as like those frustrated, um, not necessarily vocal, but like the ones that are quietly just steaming on their way out the door. Cause I've, I've talked to a lot of those people like, Hey, why are you getting out of the Navy? Because you are really intelligent, high functioning, crushing everything, qualifying all the things. So it's not like they're not getting recognized at all, but a lot of times they're the ones that like, they just do their job really, really well. And they're yeah. qualified, everything they're supposed to in that realm. But before they got to the point where they were going to go out of rate and qualify all those things, because a lot of people, when they do it early, it's motivated by career advancement. And those people are just like, no, I just want to help people and do my job really well. And I want to help right. the ship and the mission as much as I can. I'm not about an eval bullet. So they don't get an eval bullet. And that's criminal. And so then they, they're like those middle of the road or like above the middle MPs that are, they're just the ones that their chief will talk about is like, they're these really amazing mechanics or radium or whatever, but then they don't do anything else. So at the ranking board, they get crushed by all these collateral (laughs) duty cowboys or, or advanced quals and whatever else. And it's just like, but he's without him, the reactor doesn't start up or without him or her, the navigation stuff doesn't happen or the, you know, all it's the funny because I, I feel like you're literally describing my LPO to a T. Like we just had this conversation <laughs> with him um, because we had our sailor of the quarter boards recently. And so I was like, hey, man, I need you to write a package for sailor of the quarter. And he's like, OK, who on? And I'm like, on you. And he was like, well, no, we got these other guys. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, yeah. you need to. You are the guy that I'm putting up for it. And I'm like, I know that we have other good sailors. Right. But like you were the one that needs to go up for it. You were the one that deserves it. You do all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, but I don't, he's like, I don't care about that. Like, I don't need that. And I'm like, I know. And that's the problem. Like, yeah, yeah. You need to get some sort of recognition from also, somebody outside of me. You making him write his own sale of the quarter package is also a problem, but we can talk about that later. Well, uh, well <laughs> he, I, I made him start it. And what he uh, yeah, gave, what he gave me yeah. is not a give me all the input. What was turned yeah. in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, which, I, yeah, anyway, I, I don't like letting them know until I have to that they were, cause especially cause if they don't win, it's like, I don't even want them to know. They well, it's even though usually, but we know. did actual boards. So like, oh, I so had to let him out. know yeah, yeah. Okay. because he needed to show up in the right uniform. Yeah. I had to tell <laughs> him how fair. a board went, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So, and it was literally the next day. Cause it was kind of a lot. It was, it was just another thing that fell, not fell off my plate, but it was, I don't know. Somewhere in there, it just got jumbled into the mix of things. And it was like, oh, right. That's due tomorrow. I need to get that package. Yeah. To-. So whatever. I stuck around with them. We we went through it and uh, he gave me what he had. And I said, all right, man. And 
We took what he had and I showed him what we had written for him. The, uh, I think it was like last year or something, but it was for him. And it was like, Hey man, this is what we wrote on you compare the two. And he was just like, Oh, and he's like, so do you want me to like, he's like, I'm just doing my job. And it's like, I know, but yeah, I, yeah, that's the problem. Like you need to do things like at some point guy, you you need to make it sound like you are awesome to a certain extent. Cause like, yeah, I, I, and it's like, I understand, like I tell that story all the time where I was arguing with my CMC about whether or not I indeed went above and beyond and should have been getting a pat on the back for that, uh, uh, sailor of mine that was doing the white house thing. And it's just like, I, I, I'm the same way. Like I'm just doing my job. Cause that's what chiefs do. And it's like, yeah, but, and it's like, no, but like, this is, I just did my job. And so like, I'm that guy to a certain extent, but then I also recognize when I'm putting, putting it on my back and, and carrying other people's weight and doing things that just like doing things that are way outside the scope of my responsibility, but they just needed to get done. And so like, I'm picking up the load for other people and, um, yeah, but I there's definitely a ton of sailors like that that I feel like fly below the radar and it's like without they because I, I was just talking to somebody. I, it was one of these teaching of the creeds, I think, too, where we were talking about um, like why evals aren't focused on uh, and I think it was Jason on like how much you're contributing to the mission as far as like, like why you're not being evaluated on how good of a war fighter you are. You know what I mean? Like how good of a submariner you are. You're not being like nearly solely evaluated on like, yeah, it was Jason because he was talking about a a BM2 he had or something that he wrote up similarly for some award where he was just like, he doesn't have all the flashy eval bullets, but if we went to war tomorrow, I would want him with me. Like he's yeah. the person I would pick to go. And it's just like, Oh, okay. And like, he explained why. And it was just like that. Why aren't our evals more focused on that? Cause he gave some of those cliche examples, like of the things like planning a Christmas party. Like does the Christmas party need to get planned? Yes. Does it need to be on your eval? No, like right. that's not something that should be one of your three primary eval bullets or whatever. And, not, and not you shouldn't get off, that much credit for it in in eval rankings, right? Not to go on too much of a tangent with that, but yeah. that's that, that's always a hard thing that like I had to sit down and explain to my LPO. It's like, hey man, when because it, it was this was after rankings came, and so we sat down with them after rankings, and he and like when I gave him his eval, did the eval debrief because those just happened, right? And it was like, listen, you're killing it. Like I, I could not be happier with how well you're doing with these things. Yeah. I said, here's where you're falling short. Like, here's why you're not number one. Right. And it's like, you're not, uh, you don't have this qual. like you don't have MTS done. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, like I'm basically done with it, but I'm worried about all these other things. And I'm like, you need to worry about yourself for a minute though. Cause yeah. that's what's hurting and that's, you. But, but that's then, a problem. Cause it's like, it's not, I wouldn't even say to him like, I probably would, but I don't mean it this way. Like I wouldn't mean like, Hey, this is how you're falling short. Like, cause you're not falling no. short. Really? It's just, no, this is all. why you're not number one. Like right. this is how the system works. Right. And, and that's so you what, need to do these things. You need to check these boxes so that that's a hundred percent of that work gets wrecked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very much <laughs> of like, listen, this is why you're not number one. Like do your MTS. And I said, got it. You could think it's stupid. You can think it's great, whatever. But fact of the matter is, sounds really familiar. Like, I don't know. I feel like I've had this. 
conversation recently. Yeah. And it was very much like you need to do the, you need to do this and this will, this will help. And then it's like, you need to go get involved with the FCPOA. And he's like, I, I hate the idea. Like in his (laughs) mind, he's like, I'm doing, I'm doing all of these great things. And I said, you are, and that's awesome. But the problem is (laughs) things like FCPOA, like constructed, go, Yeah. yeah. Like go like this guy, when I go to say what we do, right you do all these awesome things, but this guy, yeah. it says that he's an FCPOA treasurer. And I'm like, <laughs> go be the trick, go be the You'd secretary. Be Who cares? at how much weight that carries too. Yeah. Because at this, so at this point, um, I can say this out loud because the results are out and the board membership list is out. I was a CPO selection board member this year. Right. And you would be shocked at how much weight that carries. And it's in the precepts. So it's not a, it's not a shock that it's, it's a consideration, but um, especially in the surface community, like it's a big deal. Like involvement in those things is a big deal and it's a big consideration. And when it's not there, it's not that you don't get credit for all those great things you're doing, but you don't get as much credit. <laughs> if I've right. got evals in front of me that say that sailor was keeping up with you and, you know, right. and then it's like, right. oh, that's okay. what I was going to say. So, like I was telling him like, dude, just even if you don't want to like try to get sucked into whatever they're doing, cause you're already on the train to success, like just join it go to the meetings. If nothing else, that's a body pool of, of people and ideas that you yeah. can get from. Right. And then I was like, yeah. go be like, go be the secretary. All you got to do is email something out <laughs> once a month, go be the yeah. treasurer, right? Like the same thing. You're going to email out the the money or whatever, like yeah. just pick something that you can do. So we can say that you have FCPOA involvement because well, it, whether or not we all, and, and the, I feel part, gross even saying it out loud, know, though, because it's I like know. you're just like, well, just go do it just because. And it's like what it's like conversation. Is, so the joke I made earlier about like, I feel like I've had this conversation for us because me and you just talked about your MTS qual and how you need to get your MTS done. And right. it, it, we went down a similar road of like, it, why? Well, like, why? I, well, <laughs> I'm yeah. not that not that it can't have value. Cause like, I, I really do think that the master training specialist programs heart was in the right place when it was developed. But yeah. a lot of times the way that it's implemented in real life is it's just a check in the box. And a lot of people treat it that way and not, I'm sure there's a command out there doing a great job with their MTS program. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just a lot of places, yes. including at the a school I was at where I got my MTS I took the program over because I wanted to fix it because I didn't think it was getting implemented correctly. But, um, and a lot of it revolved around, I thought that instructors should be getting better prepared to be good instructors. And then I thought they should be evaluated in a way that further set them up for that success and then validated that they were properly trained down the line. None of which was happening previous to that. It was just like, Hey, complete this qual card, take this test and now you're an MTS. And it's just like, no, that's not what this is. But, it's like there's so many things out there like that where it's we got to have that kind con- like, oh, well, they like because, again, I had conversations where it was just like, well, they don't have uh, CPO, whatever we're called, Sailor 360 involvement now. Like they, there's no involvement and there's no involvement. And then you'd see like somebody's eval write up just says they're involved in. And right. it's just like, OK, well, what does that mean? Like they showed up to a PT session. OK, I like it's just I don't what, I think what bothers me the know. most about it's it frustrating like what bothers me the most about it in that, like, uh, as much as we always joke, like the standard is like that second class is going to be the one that always has the whys and the, the whatever, right. That's going to like nag you with those questions. Yeah. Um, and like, that's probably like 75% of me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's very much like, I understand to anybody that's like going insane, listening to 
why I'm advocating to just do what the system says, even though it's stupid (laughs) is I will say that uh, what drives me the most insane about it. uh, As I say, this is that everybody in those conversations, like when you go to rankings and they're like, well, my guy's the FCPOA secretary. Everybody in that room is is rolling their (laughs) eyes going, who cares? Yeah. But it's, it's something. Right. That's yeah. And, then when and they that's say, what's, well, what's your guy do? And I go, well, he thinks that the FCPOA is a waste of his time and he doesn't want to spend 10 bucks a month or five bucks a month on dues. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everybody else is still thinking in their head like, yeah, no, I, I totally agree yeah. with that guy. But I can't use that naysayer mentality right. as a up check, you know, like yeah. you have to be able to say like, yeah, man, like you the way the Navy is built forever i've told the same everybody the same thing like everything is a game you have to learn how to play the game <laughs> to beat the game yeah so and i don't that doesn't mean you have to like it i do say the same thing about like when i did I, I all the way back to like i think enlisted evaluations was probably like one of the first dozen episodes i did and that's what i talked about the whole episode was like leveraging the existing system which is broken and inadequate yeah to take care of your sailors in the best way you possibly can and help them get advanced. So it's like, and same thing with the Navy advancement episode, the very first one, which that file I replaced because there's a bunch of information that's not true anymore when they mm-hmm. updated the advancement manual. But um, it was the same thing. It was like, I like, I don't think the system works, but you, in order to, to advance within this system that I think is inadequate, you need to understand it yeah. so that you can leverage it to teach your sailors to leverage it so that you can all like you, they can all advance in in as quickly as possible and it can be appropriate. Like it can reflect that the right people are advancing. Like you need to teach them how to exploit the system essentially. And it's like, I don't want to say that, but it's like, there's a lot of things that, that it's like, I just, it's broken. And it's like, because when you have, even if it's just on paper and it's not in real life, because I, th- I think that happens a lot where you have a sailor like your LPO and then you have another sailor that at least on paper in block 43 appears just like your LPO to me who doesn't know either of them as a board member, but I'm reviewing the records and also does all that also does stuff is the most important thing on their eval at that point. Unless there's like <laughs> a sailor of the year, you know what I mean? Like they're going to, yeah. th- there's going to be the, that's the stuff that becomes the important stuff because if it's almost like if you're if you're both doing the same level of in rate performance, it, it like cancels out. And and that's why truth and reporting is so important, because are they really if if there's a sailor that is the command career counselor on a submarine, are they really doing the equivalent level of performance in rate to the LPO of that division that is just crushing everything? Right. And, but they spend the majority of their time either doing things exactly in their lane or really closely affiliated with their lane. Probably not. But if that's what block 43 says, that's what I got to go on. And so they, then we end up in this conundrum of like the the broken system is going to do like we we were talking about it earlier with just like podcast audio, right? Like crap in, crap out. So if, if you put if you put below standard inputs in there, meaning you there's no truth in reporting and you're just writing the sailor up like they're amazing when they're really not, then that's what I have to go on. So that's why you're going to see a name on the chiefs list that you're like, what? I can't believe they got promoted. That yeah. shouldn't happen. And what? This, this system is, this, these board members are so stupid. And it's just like, I have no recourse because even if this is the one of the things that I think people don't know, it's like, even if I did personally know that sailor 
right? Like if I, and, and a lot of times if you personally, like if you personally know them, you're supposed to boot the record if you can't impartially grade it. But right. you, uh, if I personally knew something about that sailor, I can't tell the grader or if I'm the grader, I, it's like, I'm not supposed to consider that unless right. it's written down somewhere in the record that I'm like in the stuff I'm able to review. So it's like, if it's not written down and I know that sailor's not performing at an EP level, but they've got an EP, I have no recourse, none. I can't like be like, Oh, but I know this about them. And you know what I mean? Like I, I, and again, like, could it, could that play in a little bit if somebody's not being honest and, and saying, Hey, I know the sailor, I need somebody else to grade this record. Cause I know some stuff that would affect my, the grading, but it's not in their record. You know what I mean? Like you're getting yeah. this weird spot where you're just stuck and you're like, uh, okay, like <laughs> I, I have to grade what I'm looking at because I've had that conversation with a mentor of mine where he sat the board a bunch of times and when I made senior chief, someone else made senior chief. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so like I found him and I was just like, really, man, really? Cause he was the one on that board. He's like, he had the evals. Like, I can't, you know, I know I feel the same. He felt the exact same way I did, but it's like, he had the evals. What do you want me to do? Like, I can't, yeah. no, I have no, I have no recourse. I, I have none, which is why truth and reporting is such a huge deal. And ironically, the next question which I think we've probably mostly tackled is which type of motivation is better for building toughness and lethality, right? Which is exactly what we were talking about at the beginning with that example that uh, Jason kind of posed that question, yeah. like why aren't evals structured that way? It's like, that's, I feel like that's how they should be structured because I feel like it would fix a lot of that problem. And I think a lot of those things should just be completely explicitly worded in the eval manual as excluded from consideration when evaluating a sailor's performance on a periodic eval. Like, I don't think that bake sales and like um, right. Christmas parties and like the rec committee stuff. Like that's just a spree to core stuff. That's just you being involved in the organization. And yeah, that's good. And I, I'm not saying awards shouldn't come from that. I, I could see that affecting like sailor of the quarter. Maybe, maybe I could see that affecting like maybe they get like a flag letter or a spot nam if they do just an incredible job. Um, I could see there being some other type of recognition, but on a periodic evaluation, I don't think that stuff should be considered at all. It's some of the collateral duties even like, I think there's, there's some that should. Cause like, again, I go back to the career counselor example on a submarine cause I did it and I did it as a young chief. Um, and it's such a monstrous collateral duty mm -hmm. if you're doing it right. And I was a division chief and I was the department chief and I was a bunch of, and it was just like, thank God they didn't make me stand watch at the time because I, I don't know how I would have done it. Um, but it was just like, it's a monstrous collateral duty. If you're able to do both, not only are you barely sleeping, but if you're able to be an LPO, which because most times it's a first class and you're able to successfully be a career counselor, I feel like that one should probably be rewarded accordingly. I mean, and it, and it likely will with a sale of the year bullet and everything else, but it's just, there are some that I'm like, yes, that is contributing to toughness and lethality. I get, I, you know, I, you could say that like career counseling, all those sailors and keeping like manning where it is and retention excellence awards and all that stuff. I feel like it's, it's getting away from d the direct mission, but I think it, it still directly contributes maybe on the periphery, but like it's contributing directly to the mission accomplishment by taking care of those sailors careers. So I feel like that one and like ESO and stuff like that, but you get once you get away from those core 
collateral duties that are, are contributing directly to like personnel readiness and stuff. It's like, I don't think those should, there's, there's gotta be a line somewhere where it's like, why do I care if you're the MWR committee president? Yeah. No, I, it's, like, come on. <laughs> what kills me is like, like I said, it's, it's a mix of trying to find the balance of knowing the game and how to play the game, but that doesn't mean limit yourself to that. Right. Do, right. It doesn't mean just do those things because that you can also tell when like say boards come up, right. Or not boards, but uh, right, rankings because somebody will say like, Oh, my guy's doing, he's doing this for MWR and this for the FCPOA and he sold this many cookies and he's done this. And it's, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but that guy's kind of a terrible, like we all know this or whatever the case is. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. got it. He's playing the game, but if that's all you're doing, then that's, it's not, it's still, it's no different than not playing it at all. I think. Right. Generally speaking. Right. Like, sure. You might get yeah, a couple of like, not, you might get a couple of like in their checks. primary duty. Right. Yeah, then. And there's, you can also definitely go out and above and beyond. And that's yeah. awesome because that's just as not just as good, but it's like at least play those games to some extent so that we know that right. you're trying to do those things. But by all means go above and beyond and do all these extra things on your own and do all that stuff. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's hard. Um, like, like you said, the system is broken, but yeah, it, it is what it is. And so like you can completely denounce the system and play in your own game and all it's going right. to do is slow you down. It's not going to yep. make you a worse sailor by any stretch. You will still be a right. great sailor, but it's going to slow down your advancement. It's going to slow down all those things for sure. Yeah, which it's only, only going to hurt you. you to, to fight it for the sake of fighting it. It's right. like, yes, I'm sh- I, at every opportunity. I will have a discussion with somebody about how I believe it's broken and how I believe it should be fixed, but I'm not going to tell my sailors not to do any of those things because they're stupid. Cause it's like, Oh, what am I do- accomplishing there by just like, turning my nose up at it it's, it's i'm right. gonna those sailors are gonna have a harder time getting ranked as high as they should be ranked and so i'm gonna tell them look like okay check system's broken however i need you to understand that in order for you to leverage it to advance as far as far as you possibly can because you're the sailor that i believe should i need you to do these things <laughs> i need you to yeah and it's not it's not all bad there's plenty of things within the con with the confines of what we're talking about that just because i don't think they should be on an eval doesn't mean that they're not going to assist in your like professional development or uh set you up to be a better leader or provide you with networking opportunities or anything else that are all good things but Mm -hmm. um but yeah so the next question it's kind of going back to the pros and cons of the two types external and uh internal motivation is does one type favor more engagement from sailors? Like, so if you're internally motivated or externally motivated, are you, does one of them make you more engaged? Uh, engaged. Well, I don't know. I feel like maybe this is like a, a simple view, but I feel like most people are the st- like the working for the weekend, right? Everybody's just trying to do what they got to do to go home. <laughs> and so whether that, is your external motivation or, you know, without getting like too philosophical on that, like, right. If somebody tells you to do something, you're going to go get it done because you want to go home or you're forward thinking enough to go, I'm going to do all these things. So I don't have to have, there's no LDIs, right? There's no yeah. like Liberty. No 1600 work list. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to do whatever I have to do so that I can go home. Um, I feel like that's 
I don't know, chicken or the egg, I think, in yeah. that situation. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I lean a little more towards internal motivation, but it's more because I view myself as more internally than externally motivated. So I just feel like it, it leans more towards engagement because I don't need any type of a catalyst. Like I'm not reliant upon some external thing, but then again, you get caught up in that loop that we talked about earlier. So I'm going to move on to the next slide so that we don't do that again. I'm going to read the slide. It's just talking about motivation and defined roles, understand position in the team and have clearly defined responsibilities and duties goals, more passionate about effort when achievable goals are defined. Feeling of progress is positive, intrinsic motivator that appeals to almost everyone. Purpose, uh, need to feel effort matters, show how contribution fits into the bigger picture. And then recognition, even intrinsically motivated people desire to be rewarded. It keeps the fire burning. Uh, so it's just talking more about like subcategories of motivation and how these things kind of feed in, whether you're internally or externally motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first question, <laughs> God, I love these questions. So can you have a motivated team with no individual motivation and vice versa? And then can the team succeed in either of those scenarios? Can you, <laughs> you want me to read it again? I, I feel like I almost so, have to word it. So like, is it yeah, possible to get things done when no individual person is motivated? So can the it's team saying, accomplish can you, something. Yeah. Can you, can a, you have a motivated team with no individual motivation? And then could you have motivated individuals, but not a motivated team is, is the first question. Uh, I think that, the way I interpret that, at least, is it sounds back to that intrinsic or extrinsic, right? You could have a division full of people that are not individually, like, internally motivated. But if I tell them that they have to get something done bef- before they go home, they'll all be real motivated to get it done. Yeah, but, but I think what you are you end up with is, like, the sum of its parts is going to act the same way. So it's like you just motivated all those individuals with liberty. So now they're all motivated. And so you have a motivated team going towards the goal of getting the heck off of the boat or whatever. Yeah. I can. You know what I mean, yeah, I it's know. kind of a silly question. I don't really understand the point of it. Um, and then, yeah, I don't really want to spend much time. I hate this question. Uh, and then can the team succeed in either scenario? So really it's like the question that matters is can, can an unmotivated team succeed because a motivated team, of course they can succeed. That's, the mo- most right. teams that succeed are motivated um, or disciplined, which we talked about last time is like, I have a, I have a slightly different view. It's from, um, I want to say it's David Goggins. Uh, one of his like theories on life is that like motivation is fleeting, but discipline is how you get things done. You know, like, cause mm-hmm. even when you don't want to do it, you still have to do things. And so it's like, it's kind of like you said earlier where, uh, a body in action stays in action or, or however you work. Right. It's like the kind of the same thing. It's like, even when he's, he talks about like, sometimes he sits there and stares at his running shoes for 30 minutes before he puts them on and goes out the door. So it's like, is he motivated to run that morning? No. And it's like, it's like raining outside and he just doesn't want to go out and run, but he's disciplined. And so he, it might take him 30 minutes to put his running shoes on and finally get out the door, but he's still going to do it. Um, and that's kind of the difference between the two is like, yeah, on a sunny day when I feel like running and I got a lot of energy, yeah, of course I'm going to be motivated. But when it's rainy and cold and like it's dark and I'm sore and I don't want to do it, but I still force myself to do it anyway, am I motivated to run or am I just disciplined? You know what I mean? That's, right. that's, like, that's one of the things that it kills me about that. But um, as far as like, can can the team succeed 
if they're not motivated. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think it's that goes back to that first, like at the beginning was a question of like, can a command be successful without? Yeah. Uh, whatever. And it's like, he, yeah, to a, a certain, to like a very short timeline, they yeah. can like, I, uh, if I tell everybody like in my division, they need to get a classroom cleared out by the end of the day before they go home, like they'll quickly get it done. But that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that they're like being successful. They're just doing the minimum of what I tell them they have to do. Right. To, to so like long-term successful, no, cause you're probably just doing the minimum to yeah. keep off somebody's, you know, hit list. But otherwise I, I, I mean, I feel like somebody has got to be motivated to, to yeah. be long-term successful. Maybe not everybody, like, but somebody to push yeah. everything else. Or to exceed a really low ceiling on how successful, uh, you know what I mean? Like an unmotivated team would be like, cause I, what def- depends on what your definition of success is number one. And then two, it's like, <laughs> if that bar is at the bare minimum required standard for like <laughs> to, de- to deem it like adequate and then it can like go up and we can be very successful and, and wildly successful. And you know what I mean? Like if there's variance there and your bar for success isn't like perfection, then yeah. I mean, it's like, I think there's a pretty hard ceiling on how, how successful an unmotivated mm-hmm. team would be. And for how long, for sure. Uh, I don't think it's sustainable at all. Um, but I, again, yeah, like we said earlier, I think you could force people through the eye of a needle for a really short period of time. Um, and you could even make, the, <laughs> could even make the, the argument that they are motivated when you're being coercive they're like it's just not sustainable you know what i mean so like yeah. you're motivating them negatively with like that's like the coercive style of leadership but then the beatings will continue until morale improves <laughs> yeah exactly um the next question it's i think it's more directed at um i think like the chief selects obviously because that's what this course is designed for but it's talking about, I think this is another one of those, if you put a mirror in front of yourself and honestly answer the question, it has some value. But it says, have you been putting an effort in the CPO process as a team or an individual? And then how has your CPO mess shown motivation? Why or why not? And so it's kind of like, when you're like, put it, because we're not selects in this process right now, we kind of have to talk about it from this angle. But I think there's a lot of value in chiefs having that type of a conversation. So yeah, a lot of this, a lot of this whole module is forcing you to look inward and it, and be yeah. honest with yourself. And it's the same thing. Like, are you just doing whatever taskers you have to get done to check the box and get your sponsor to stop yelling at you? Or yeah. are you actually like trying to, you know, jump in with both feet and take it to heart and actually put in your best effort, which, uh, you know, obviously we both understand is very hard to do. Uh, because you can't just like, you don't just take six weeks of leave and then have all this time to just do the season and that's it. So it's around your normal job. You've got all these other, uh, things that you're worried about. Um, so you don't have time to, to put the effort that you probably would want to, but it's like, are you finding a way to put in that time or are you just checking a box? And yeah, that's kind of that same Again, that it does apply to everything though. Like this whole time we've been talking about it from our point of view. uh, So obviously it still applies. Like, are we just doing things to stay off the exos hit list or are we doing things because we want to improve? Right. (laughs) And and you kind of have to prioritize like every new tasking that comes in or every new problem that you see or whatever. Right. However, it comes across your desk. you're, You're doing that mental calculation of like, 
do I care about this or does somebody else care about this? Yeah. How, how important is it? And like, how bad am I going to get yelled at if it doesn't get done on time or, yeah. <laughs> and how much am I willing to put up with and, mm-hmm. and what else do I have to do? Right. And then you're, you're constantly reshifting and reordering all of those priorities in your head as with every problem you see, like you're late for a meeting, but you see somebody walking with their hands in their pockets. Like, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, it's 20 degrees outside. It's cold. I want to put my hands in my pockets too. Is it worth stopping and being I don't even more because late? I have gloves or, on, but continue. Right. No, I know. <laughs> I'm I know a grown your up take and on I have that. gloves in my pockets that I take out and put on my hands. I know your take on it, but, but you know what I mean? I've like, softened it's, a little bit. It's but. that general mindset though. Like, is it yeah. worth me being late right. to stop and talk to the sailor and explain why they need to take their hands out of their pockets? Cause I absolutely hate, like, uh, I refuse to be that person that like drives down the hill and then yeah. slows down and rolls down my window to yell at somebody like, uh, yeah, I'm in my heated car, but then I've arrived at the conundrum of it's an unenforceable standard. I, it's it just, it is, it's just, I don't know. It's there's like, I don't know, pick another standard, right. That, but, yeah, well, yeah. But point I'm being like, you. yeah, when you see that you're doing that quick mental math of like, is this at the top of my list? Like, does this need to get pushed yeah. to the top of something that I need to conquer right now? Right, 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 right. Or is this meeting that I need to go to with the CO more important? Or yeah, is it, you know, like, can I find that sailor again later? Can I just get the next one? Or, you know, like yeah. you're constantly reordering that stuff in your head. And it's the right, same thing throughout right. the season with every bit of tasking that you get of how am I going to accomplish all this? What is it? What do I need to do right now? What do I, what, can I just check a box on what can I put it more effort into and like get back yeah. to it later? Can I get the the next task around better? You know, right. and I, that's a lot of the point of the, of that type of stuff is like overwhelming, oh yeah. overwhelming them on purpose. And a lot of that stuff is stuff that they either it's a check in the box thing and they want to see if you realize and prioritize that appropriately or it's a thing that they f- they they know you're going to be late. <laughs> I know when I assign you this with this due date that you're going to be late. So I want to <laughs> see if you're going to ask me for more time. If you're going to prioritize everything, realize that this is unattainable and then have the courage to come have that conversation with that those chiefs and say, hey, uh, this is unattainable. I want to move this due date right. a week to the right. And in, like if you a lot of what's hilarious is a lot of times if you do and you can justify it, all we're going to do is be like, okay. You know, and they're just like, and why? Brains so exploding like, all over the, the funniest, over the, right now. the funniest story about that, like the check in the box thing to me, at least mm-hmm. uh, was from my season. And it's one of those, like just shows how dense I was getting through a lot of things. Right. Um, yeah. Is phone cards, right? It's usually like yeah. the first thing, like get us a new phone card. And so, we had a chief who was retiring like two weeks after the results came out. So we left his name off the list. And so uh, then it's like, Oh, well, so is he not a chief? Right. So then you got that. Yeah. Go down that rabbit hole. And then we, we come out with the list of everything and then they go, well, why? Uh, like, Oh, well, this, this phone card doesn't have enough who on it. Like, why don't you have any like chief anchors or something? Right. We had 27 chiefs that we had to try to fit onto a phone yeah, card. Yeah, so it's already like tiny print. It's, it's tiny. Like, it's like 0.25 font or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so like 
then it's like, well, this font's too small. And it's like, okay, so we make another one. And then it's like, this font's too big. And now I have to like fold this sheet of paper up. Like I just wanted a business card size to put in my wallet. <laughs> and then somebody else is mad that like one guy's like, well, I never gave you permission to put my phone number on there. Like, well, where's the privacy act statement on there? Cause you've got PII on this thing and you're just giving it out to God, people. Right. It. And this whole, I swear to you and all of us, <laughs> this is over like a weeks of happening, right? Like yeah. every meeting it's like <laughs> late taskers phone card and everybody it's like week four. And they're looking at you like, dude, yeah. this was due week one. Like, why don't it's just yeah. a phone card. Just give me a phone card. How hard can it be? And we're like, do we try? And then eventually like one of the guys that was with us, uh, he was just kind of like, listen, you guys already have everybody else's phone numbers. Anyways, you already have our own phone numbers saved in your phones. If you want to get a hold of us, you, yeah. we gave you a list of, we gave you a phone card that has everybody's phone numbers on it. It's 2018 at the time. He's like, just save it in your phone. Who cares how big your phone card is? <laughs> just stuff it in your wallet. You have a phone card. And everybody was like, Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this was That's like, outstanding. we'd gone through like, you know, one yeah. iteration was like, this is just on a piece of paper. It's not even card yeah. stock. You're like, what? And then like, we're like, yeah. oh, okay. Garbage is this? So then we and laminate course, it. Yeah. And then they're like, yep. well, now the lamination's too big and it won't fit in my, and it's like, yeah. oh my God. Now I can't fit it in my card holder. Like what? But this, this, that went on for like a month. We dragged this thing out <laughs> and it just amazing. never clicked to us. Like it was it was hilarious because eventually it started, it turned Take into a like, picture of it, save it and shut up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then eventually it turned into like us hilarious. laughing. Cause we were like, then it turned into like a game oh. on our part of like, how ridiculous can we make this phone card? And yeah. Keep giving yeah. him the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually it was like, this dude just got fed up with it. And That's so funny. Everybody was just like, okay, all right. Yeah. We'll take this one. <laughs> and then that was hilarious. And it, it took us way too long for that to click, but it was the funniest yeah. thing. Like looking That's back so at amazing. it, especially, yeah. you know, so many like yeah. lost hours of sleep for no reason over the dumbest for, yeah, thing. For <laughs> But oh, it was so right. funny once it finished. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, next slide, it's talk. It's basically the same stuff talking about engagement. Um, so start early, encourage professional development, and ensure organization and team goals are understood and aligned. Provide recognition and don't micromanage. Give clear guidance and expectations. Uh, which is that's one of the ones that I really like. Um, because it's, it, I just got done reading a bunch of stuff about Patton for this college class that I'm in. And mm -hmm. uh, it's like, give him it, this quote at the bottom illustrates it perfectly, but they talked about it a lot uh, as one of his like leadership principles of, of how you like communicate orders to subordinate commanders and stuff. But it says, never tell people how to do things, tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. I, I love that quote. And a lot of the, principles patent had were like that where it was like just tell them what needs to get done and let them figure out how to do it and you've got like a support staff and subordinate commanders to to do all those things and when you allow them that room for creativity they're going to shock you with uh things that you wouldn't have even come up with but uh, first question are you engaged as a team so it's similar to the same thing with motivation but we're talking about engagement now so are you engaged as a team and as an individual which i mean i feel that we've probably already covered this. Yeah. It's especially some of these from, questions are there from this angle. Like, it's hard. It's, it's yeah. more self-reflection on that. 
just a, a quick aside on that and then we can move on with same thing was our final night uh, without going into like how it was all set up at exactly what we're doing. Cause it won't make any sense mm-hmm. to anybody that wasn't there. Um, yeah. Eventually somebody said like, you know, be honest, how many of you guys just kind of phoned it in for like the group project type stuff? Like if you were in a group doing something, how many of you just didn't participate or did the bare minimum and let somebody else pick up all the weight? And, you know, it it was that same, like you saw a couple of people step forward and they were like, yeah, I screwed over these people because I just didn't do something that I should have done. And I made somebody else do it. And it felt more, I can't think of the word. It was like a bigger thing in that moment than during teaching the creed, if you bring the same thing up, like, are you engaged? Are you actually doing something? And it's kind of one of those, it should spawn that thought process of somebody going like, Oh yeah, maybe I don't do, you know, maybe I'm not pulling my weight or maybe I shouldn't be doing more. Yeah. I've criticized a lot of the questions and I feel like it's part of the reason I get frustrated with some of them uh, is that it's not a room full of selects having the conversation. And it's like, some of them are definitely aimed at that group and will probably be more productive in a Mm -hmm. group of, of the correct audience. But some of them, I just, yeah, like no, I gotcha. One. I uh, <laughs> I get frustrated. Will you truly wear the hat with the same pride as your shipmates? I why why is that question there? I just like I like nah. I don't understand how that has any value to anybody, but that's it's there, and so I felt the need to read it and right. comment on it. Um, the next, I'm going to skip over the activity as I always do. Uh, they will do that when they're in their groups. So yeah, so now now we're we're effectively at summary. Cause the last thing was that activity that they'll do as a group. So is there anything, cause I, I feel like some of the questions are a little rough on this topic or just there's maybe some stuff left out. Anything you want to pontificate on real quick before we wrap up that you feel like we haven't talked about already? No, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Most of it's just the, I just think that that standard um, looking inward is probably a good thing that people don't do very often. I think a lot of people, you either think, uh, like I said earlier, you, I get to eval, well, you know, an eval on a midterm every year, Right. my boss tells me how I'm doing. Right. But at this point for everybody going through the season, right. You are the boss. So there's a lot more people that depend on you to do certain things or to be good at your job or take care of them or however you want to phrase that. Um, and so you need, you should be looking inward more often and saying like, am I doing the right thing for these guys or ask just outright asking them, you know, like you said earlier, you might be afraid of the answer, but at least you'll know, like, hopefully, hopefully you have people that aren't just all terrified to tell you the truth and you have at least one person who will be honest with you. But you, I feel like people should be looking inward more often um, at how they're doing. And there's, I feel like it's an easy, uh, there's a hundred different mechanisms that already exist in the Navy between evals that somebody else tells you how you're doing and you go, ah, okay. That I'm a, I'm a, you know, upper half MP. That's how I'm doing. Right. (laughs) Um, but then you also have like, it, it goes all the way up, right? Like the CO does the same thing and wants to know how they're doing with their command climate surveys. I know that they're cheesy and they're all the stock questions, right? But that's, it's somebody is trying to get that. You tell me how I'm doing because everybody, not many people, uh, show up to work and like, just think like, yeah, man, I'm just dirt bagging it up. This is pretty awesome. (laughs) Like it happens. Sure. But, uh, not long-term typically. 
most people I think at least assume that they're going down the right path or they're trying to. So sometimes like you might have to stop and think like, Hey, how, how am I doing compared to how I think I'm doing or right. how successful is my division or how successful is, you know, how did they do on the last eval cycle? Like how did their rankings pan out? Are my guys seem to be getting the shaft because then maybe I'm not doing my job and helping promote them or yeah, are they not getting the, you know, the collateral duties or are they not whatever the case is, right? Like your right. name should be your division's, sailor like your sailors should be on the tips of the tongue of everybody above you uh yeah for good things obviously um yeah <laughs> so but that's like one of those things that you can think about like hey when i brought up my sailor last week to the department head he said who and had no idea what i was talking about that's probably a bad right. thing like i need to find yeah. a way to i maybe i'm not doing my job and in general taking more of that on yourself instead of just saying like well that sailor needs to just do more like yeah do they or i mean maybe but it, maybe it's on you right. to at least tell them that they need to do more because again they may not know that they're not measuring up to where they right. think they are and i think that's really important too to like the in order for them to know whether it's them or whether that sailor needs to do better it's like do you you need to be standing in front of that mirror so that you know the difference between those because a lot of people are just going to blame the sailor and say, oh, that's because they're not performing at a high level. So the department head doesn't know who they are. Or, yeah. Or maybe you're just not advocating for them and communicating their performance right. properly and putting them in positions so that the department head recognizes who they are and all the good things that they're doing. And maybe even if it's, it's just 100%, a leadership issue, even if it's 100 percent the sailor somehow, let's just yeah. pretend like that's a, a mythical yeah. situation that's possible. <laughs> it's 100 percent right. the sailor's fault. Right. Then you should turn around and say, "Well, then, how can I fix that, or how can I help?" Well, that? yeah, I was gonna, right. I was going to say there. I don't in the even in the fake scenario that it's a hundred percent their fault. You're still failing as a leader, so it's By like you're, you can't that. even you can't even get out of you can't even get out of a culpability when it's a imaginary one hundred percent their right. fault type of scenario. Um, it's you just it's all there's uh, there's always a leadership failure happening in that type of a situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I agree. Like, I think it's it's not just important so that you're aware. It's like it's how you stay motivated and engaged as a leader is by being aware of how well you're doing. And like I was talking about with the example earlier of of maybe I used to be super motivated and engaged and maybe I'm even known as that guy. And that's like one of my like pe how people recognize me as a personality or as a leader is that I'm mm -hmm. motivated and engaged. But maybe I took my foot off the gas and I didn't even recognize it myself because I'm that's part of my identity now is I'm the motivated and engaged guy. Like and so uh, I, I need people to tell me that I'm taking my foot off the gas. And so I need to put, put myself in a position to be told that by having people like you, like you and I have conversations all the time and then also soliciting that type of feedback from juniors, officers, whoever, like the, mm -hmm. and just put people in a position to tell you those things by asking them the questions and then just surrounding you with the type of people that are going to say those things. You know what I mean? Like just mm -hmm. go seek that kind of stuff out because I, I have those conversations a lot where like I, I'll find a mentor because I, I find myself in situations where I question it's like, am I doing this good? Cause it's like after I've, after I've looked around at everything else and analyzed all the things 
and I've eliminated fault everywhere else, it's like, okay, maybe I'm screwed up. (laughs) And like, I try to, I try to check there first, but sometimes I'm super convinced that it's not me. Like, no, I was, I was so involved and I did a great job here. Mm -hmm. And so then I, I look everywhere else because I'm pretty confident going in that like, oh no, there's no way it's me. But then I like check everything else off the list and I'm like, well, the only thing left is that I'm screwing something up. So then I go explain, I go call a mentor or I talk to somebody like you or whoever. And I bounce it off that wall and I'm like, Hey, like, here's what's going on, blah, blah. And then like, they start immediately poking holes in it because I can't see past my own nose, you know? And it's just like, Oh, it is me. I'm an idiot. And then you get that type of like, you, it's like, I just needed somebody to, to look at me instead of me trying to look at myself and say, are you, are you serious? No, it's you. Like, you're not like, this is the thing that you're doing. Right. And it, it that type of recognition happens pretty quickly when you surround yourself with the type of people that are willing to say that. But it, it starts with your willingness to accept that type of feedback. And I think that's the big takeaway is like humble yourself and allow yourself, even if it's just in a closed room with a chief that you trust mm-hmm. to be told those types of things, or maybe like in a, in the type of relationship with your department head, like maybe you guys have that type of relationship or maybe like a lot of food service uh, chiefs, like a lot of culinary specialist chiefs have food service officers that are chief warrant officers on big decks. So it's like maybe the warrant who has experience as a chief, obviously, maybe that's somebody that you sit down with and you're like, am I doing this wrong? <laughs> like, yeah. And they can tell you because they've been in your shoes. Yeah, you, you are doing it wrong. And here's how, and here's some experiences I had and so on and so forth. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's huge deal. Um, thanks for redoing this with me. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I appreciate the time, man. And this is the last one. And then I got a record acceptance real quick, but that'll be just me, uh, rambling on. So I appreciate the time. Yeah. Not a problem, man. Yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed that again. We went through the CPO creed excerpt. I'm going to restate that really quick just for the the refresher here at the end. It was our intention that you never forget this day. It was our intention to test you, to try you, and to accept you. Your performance has assured us that you will wear the hat with the same pride as your comrades in arms before you. We take a deep and sincere pleasure in clasping your hand and accepting you as a chief petty officer in the United States Navy. I like this paragraph in that it communicates that the challenges that you will go through during your chief's initiation process were purposeful. There were goals behind each and every what they call pointed barb in the CPO creed. And they wanted you to experience those things. We wanted you to experience those things so that you're ready, so that you're at the moment of acceptance, you are ready to put on anchors and wear the hat and be the chief. And at the conclusion of all that, we take a deep and sincere pleasure in welcoming you. And I really want to drive that point home because... In order for you to uphold all of the things that we talk about through this process and for you to be a good steward of the mess's credibility and trust is by taking motivation and engagement seriously, by making sure that you do whatever you need to do to take care of you so that that motivation level is maintained at an acceptable level so that you can be engaged on the deck plate level so you can be engaged in doing all the things that your sailors need so that they're ready to execute the mission, so you're ready to execute the mission, which is leading these sailors and being the chief. 
As always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the shit podcast. Or you can DM us on Instagram at DS podcast or on Reddit at DS podcast. So we're, we have a sub and the user account that you can you can direct message as well. So so many ways to, to reach out. If you need anything from us, please do that. Uh, if you have feedback on the support of Teaching of the Creed via these podcasts, please let us know. Uh, I, I'm looking to uh, continue to do what, like, however this evolves, do whatever we can to uh, supplement and support the curriculum so that, I mean, state admission of, of the platform so that we can get you all of the leadership development and education that you need uh, as you find yourselves progressing into roles, especially one with the gravity of being a chief petty officer. And with that, that's all I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.